Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. It's time to go to number five. We are getting closer and closer to the top. Shocker, Aaron Rodgers has not been revealed yet. Shocker, he's not going to be revealed at number five either. We're getting to it right now. It's the defending regular season MVP. There's the Chicken King. uh, Not the Tiger King, the Chicken King. And here's the king right now of the National Football League, at least in the regular season, Lamar Jackson, who... For the third straight year, a second-year quarterback took the NFL by storm. It was Carson Wentz in 2017. It was Patrick Mahomes in 2018. It was Lamar Jackson in 2019, Chris. You know, the big question is, how did everybody miss on Lamar Jackson? I know he wasn't picked number 199 like Tom Brady, but he was the last of five quarterbacks taken in 2018. He was the last player taken in round one. The Ravens swooped back in to get him. How did all these other teams that so desperately needed quarterbacks miss on a guy when we saw at Louisville what he can do? Did we just think it wouldn't translate to the next level? He wouldn't be able to run through and around and past and in between players like he did because he's everything in year two. And and for a lot of what he did in year one, he's everything that he was when he was dominating at the college level. Yeah, no, he was. And listen, you know me. I was one of his biggest fans coming out. You know, I originally thought he was the number one quarterback in the draft. You know, I got scared off a little bit. I won't even lie. When he did come out in the draft, I thought, you know, I went very aggressively against what Bill Polian said. You know, then I said, I think he's the number one quarterback in the class. You know, I had a lot of people attack me and even people in the NFL to where I started to question like, man, is there something about this kid that I don't know? Maybe I'm wrong. And even I backed off to a degree. And then I started to, the, the thing I started to say to clarify is, yeah, okay, if you get Lamar Jackson too, you're going to have to have a different kind of offense. You're not going to make him Peyton Manning to start his career. Can he develop into a pocket passer who can dice you up that way? Certainly. I think we're seeing him get better and better at that. But 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, Mike. You know, what I saw from a guy in college was, yes, okay, electric runner. We all know that. But a guy who wanted to throw the ball first, he wasn't looking to run. And I think that's where a lot of evaluators messed up. He stood in the pocket. He tried to make throws and read the defense and do things like that. And when it wasn't there, then he took, you know, tucked the ball away and made, made plays with his legs. But he is a natural thrower of the football, Mike. He is one of those guys, you can give him any object and he can throw it. Now, is he a polished passer yet at this point of his career? No, that's something he needs to work on. The, the you know, what, what type of ball to throw? What, what's the appropriate ball here in this situation? You know, being a little more consistent when the pocket is perfectly clean and throwing strikes that way and not making a guy have to turn around and maybe fall for a 10-yard gain where you go, Man, if he threw that accurately, that guy would have ran for another 15 or 20 yards. So it's just little things like that. But certainly one of the most electric guys we have in the sport. And we did see improvement in the passing. And I don't know why people didn't see it, Mike. It's very frustrating to me. And I had a lot of people, like I said, give me flack for it when uh, when he was coming out. And we mainly saw it as a runner in 2018. Last year, we saw the growth continue as a passer. And look, on one hand, defenses are going to try to come up with ways to stop that running game. On the other hand, you can try all you want. When, when Lamar Jackson is that good, when he is that elusive, when he is that fast, when he can spin away from you, and we're going to look at his top 10 plays uh, from last year, but when he can do all those things, it doesn't matter if you're ready for it. You still can't stop him. You know, we've talked in the past about scout team quarterback and how you get ready with a certain guy and a certain style. And uh, yeah, but until you face the guy, right? You, you don't yes. have anyone who can duplicate that guy you're no. going to face. He can try to be like him, but he's not him. And then you're out there and you're like, boy, this was a lot easier in practice when it was the third string quarterback pretending to be Lamar Jackson. We can't stop. We can't even get our hands on this guy. Right. Well, he's, he's one of the greatest weapons we have in the sport. We know that. I mean, you and me, I mean, we giggle on Sundays watching him make, you know, make people look like fools all the time, breaking ankles all over the field. So, yes, from that, from all that stuff, he's amazing. I mean, he really is. And he's another guy I would say. You know, even though his stats from this past year are off the charts, stats don't really tell you the whole story about the effect he has on a football game. Because, again, he's another guy like a Cam Newton or some of the more mobile quarterbacks where he simplifies defenses because of all the things he can do with the ball in his hands. And you just can't play crazy, intricate, disguise over here, blitz over here, and do those type of things because – they could have a quarterback design run called where he gets the ball and he's got two running backs and two tight ends leading them up through the hole. And if you blitz from the wrong side, he's gone for a 70-yard touchdown. But the big thing is, Mike, this, and this is the kryptonite we've seen. You know, this is two years in a row in the playoffs when a team does get a little feel for how to slow the run game down. This is why he's number five and not number two or number three to me. He can't win games just automatically with his arm yet. And to me, ultimately, that's what will have to be done, I think, for him to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And he's getting close to that. Let's put a pin in that topic, what relates to postseason struggles. And for now, let's let's marvel in the things that he has done well let's and do the it. top 10 plays 
from uh, Lamar Jackson. And this is week one against the Dolphins when, hey, let's sell out to stop the run. Let's sell out to stop the run. Okay, okay. I'll just throw it over the top of the defense all day long. And there's Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson showing that, yes, he can throw the football uh, pretty well, too. He can. He's a really deep – he's a great deep ball thrower. You know, you could see it's very little effort for him to flick that ball down the field. Sometimes it comes back to bite him. But again, you know, yeah, stats are a little inflated. Sometimes you go, oh, he's wide open. He's wide open because of Lamar Jackson, because the defense is calling a defense and they're so worried about him running and all the things they can do. You know, that effect makes the pass game uh, easier at times. But I mean, this is insane. Are you kidding me? We, we, week 16 <laughs> against the Browns. This is just nasty. This is this is schoolyard stuff. With, you know, the, the, the guy who was clearly faster and more agile than the rest of the kids. Just just get get out of here. And then and then smart enough to take a seat. That we're seeing that development. We're seeing that growth. Don't take that hit, because that next hit could be the one that knocks you out for several weeks. Yes, it can. And this is the playoff game. And again, this is where we see yes. inklings of going, you can make he can make some throws that can change the game. You know, is he a guy that dissects the defense yet? No, maybe not. But he's still a big time down the field thrower. And I mean, that's on the screws. That is a perfect throw. Three Titans around great catch by Hollywood Brown. But yeah, I mean, it's, he, he made a quick decision. He got rid of the football and he delivered it accurately. All right. We're up to week seven against the Seahawks and, you know, rolling, right. No problem. Can still uncork the long ball. Yeah. He's uh, one of the best in the, in the game. I mean, the flexibility in his arm, Mike, I mean, that's the thing that when you really watch him, I mean, he could just stand there, and it's like he's Gumby. You know, it's, a, it's very much like a Michael Vick, that, that uh, uh, elasticity he has in the tendons, which allow him to just either, if his feet aren't there, if he's on the run, he could just flick it 50 and 60 yards, and then, you know, this is video game stuff. I mean, nobody does this. You only do this on Madden when you're playing, like, EA Sports. And he'll be on the cover this year, and whoever uses Lamar Jackson will be doing this a lot. It reminds me of a highlight from when he was in high school near the end zone. He just kind of walks in after he just abuses three different guys who are trying to get him, and he stops and he starts. And and, and the, the, the ability to decelerate to a walk, it's amazing how he can control his body uh, and, and speed up and slow down almost at will, Chris. Well, and this speaks to his control of the body right here, Mike. I mean, he's doing like a karaoke dance, getting hit on the shoulder, and then like jumps in the air and throws a ball that's in a safe spot. You know, this has got this is another guy, you know, why we're talking about him. You got to say is he's smart. He understands situations and he knows how to take care of the football, which is very encouraging for a young guy. Yeah, and look, here he is. He takes the hit and he finds something, you know, some quarterbacks, once that hit comes, it's over. Others, they buy a little time. They get rid of the football. He makes that long throw with no base, no setup, no platform. And there it is. You know, not a perfect throw, but a throw that worked and a throw no, that, that got yeah. him out of what was a sack and put the ball down on the on the brink of the goal line. Exactly. Well, and, you know, that's why you get scared of blitzing him. You know, that's another reason right there. You go, well, I mean, we might blitz him, but it doesn't mean we're going to tackle him or actually sack him. So we got to worry about this- that, too. This is the moment where he took charge. He convinced John Harbaugh to go for it on fourth down. This was in Seattle. This was a big win last year for the Baltimore Ravens, proving that they did belong. And uh, Harbaugh went with it. Harbaugh made the right decision as influenced by Lamar Jackson. And uh, it worked out, and they got a big win in Seattle at a time when we weren't quite sure what the Ravens were going to be. Natural-born leader. 
Uh, and that's one of the reasons he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the game to me right now, too. He brings something to that team emotionally. He gives them an edge on a week-to-week basis, let alone the physical edge he gives with stuff like this. You know, I mean, come on. We've never seen guys do this in the NFL. Michael Vick is the only quarterback we've ever seen that can run and make these type of moves. The juke that he makes there, it, 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 it's, it's all, it's, you have to watch it 10 times to truly appreciate just that uncanny inherent ability to make people miss and to know when to stop, when to start, how to move, how to use that physical gift that he has to get away from the guys who are trying to tackle him. Now, at the end, I don't like this hit. I don't, but it was unavoidable. He didn't see the guy coming until the end, and he kind of lowers his helmet and shoulder a little bit. I'd rather he find a way to slide in those circumstances. It's hard to complain about the way the guy runs the football. And this is the signature moment of the year. This is yes, – I'm is. sure he'll have better plays, but my God. That, that was the moment he became the MVP, and I think it was after this game when Mark Ingram did the big trust and here's the MVP and anybody who has a problem with it, come see me. And, and it injected – Lamar Jackson into the MVP discussion and ultimately he eventually won the award. Yeah. Well, this is where it just became like, Oh my gosh, this is, this guy, this guy's unbelievable. It's every week. He's unstoppable. You know, you started to see just moments of him being able to take over games by himself, you know, and he would get hot running and throwing the football at the same time, which just became, you know, almost unstoppable with the team and the support system and the system they had around him in general there in Baltimore and it's why they were the best team in football for the you know all the regular season but we know there was some documented you know playoff struggles and that's ultimately what Lamar Jackson and these Ravens are going to be judged on in, in a lot of ways and and we do have to take the bad with the good and the good far outweighs the bad but but and, and I remember saying before the playoff game against the Titans look they lost last year in the postseason at home to a team they had beaten in the regular season and now they have a home game. They have the bye week. They're the one seed. You go to 0-2. You, you, you got to be nervous about a, a narrative, a trend, something that starts to creep into your own head that I can't win in the playoffs because you're hearing everybody say, hey, can he win in the playoffs? What is the difference? Where do the struggles come from, Chris, in the postseason versus the regular season? Well, I think that, you know, in year one, the Chargers, they had got a chance to play him already, Right. So they had a good feel for the system. Year one also, you know, Lamar wasn't as good a passer as he was that we just saw last year in year two. So, you know, there was a little more reluctancy, I think, against the, that Chargers team that year to just let it fly from Lamar Jackson when the run game didn't work out. You know, last year, hey, he's mentioned it. I think they fell asleep at the wheel. Do I think John Harbaugh mismanaged some situations in that game? Certainly, he deserves some of the blame. But one of the big things, too, and, you know, all you got to do is look back at the game or, you know, the statistics will tell you they just didn't dominate the line of scrimmage the way they had really in the second half of the season. And then it became, oh, man, you know, we got to drop back and throw the ball every play. And they're not built to do that quite yet either. I mean, Lamar's certainly getting better, but I don't sit there and go, oh, man, you know, Baltimore's coming to town. Lamar and the Ravens are going to dice you up. They're going to throw the ball 46 times and throw for 400 yards. No, that's not the kind of team they are yet. That's not playing to the strengths of what they are offensively, defensively. And the Titans got them into a situation where they had to leave their comfort zone. And then because of that, you know, Lamar, it led to some errant throws. It led to him holding the ball at the end of the first half too long and getting a strip sack fumble that gave the, Titans a late touchdown before the half to really put the Ravens behind the eight ball. So 
it was a team effort, but certainly some things that Lamar has to prove on too to help that team effort so they can be better in the playoffs. Last week, Lamar Jackson said on Complex's Load Management podcast that in the postseason last year, there may have been an issue with peaking past the Tennessee Titans. John Harbaugh, the coach of the team, speaking with reporters yesterday, said, I don't think we took the Titans lightly personally. We just didn't play well. If you want to go back and rehash it, we can. But we're going to try to become a better team in that circumstance at the end of the season, just like we tried to become a better team throughout the season, and we were very successful with that. And look, look, Harbaugh's not going to come out and say we took the team lightly because that's a reflection on him. Whether he consciously considered that or not, if the team was taken lightly – He's part of the reason why the team was taken lightly because it's his job to get the team to take no one lightly and to not oh, yeah. to right. not step into a pothole when you believe that you're headed for the Super Bowl. We just didn't play well as more execution. And, and we, we see this from time to time, Chris. Is it planning? Is it execution? If it's execution, it's the players. If it's planning, it's the coach. And, and again, I don't want I don't want to turn this into more than it was, but um, there is a disagreement apparently yeah. between Harbaugh and Jackson as to what went wrong. And and look, look, I remember when they clinched the one seed and if Mark Ingram hadn't injured his calf muscle in that game, maybe just maybe John Harbaugh decides to throw caution right. to the wind and not rest all of his key starters week 17 and keep those guys fresh. Cause otherwise they had three weeks off. And I think we have to remember that, that that is one of the big risks of knocking yes. down the number one seed with multiple games left or even one game left. Because you have the bye week anyway. Do you really need two bye weeks? What's the downside of two bye weeks? And if you said time and again, Bill Belichick doesn't do it that way. Why? It's the ultimate copycat sport. Why does no one else do what Belichick does? Maybe it's because they're so infrequently in that position. They don't know what to do. Or maybe they're just afraid that if something goes wrong, they can't withstand it. They're going to be criticized. Yeah. I, I, you, you, you keep playing football. I, I think I we've know. seen that from the Patriots, and we've seen the downside of it most recently from the Ravens. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I don't think they handled that quite the right way. And, yeah, they got into we're the number one seed. We've had a few weeks off. And I certainly don't think John Harbaugh is the type of coach to never have his team ready. Like, I, I think John Harbaugh is one of the best in the NFL. I think you do, too. I think also what plays into it, you know, all the factors that you said, I think are very real. And then, hey, put yourself into the psychosis of the Baltimore Ravens and go back in time to the playoffs. Whoa, the Patriots are gone. So we're going to have the Titans or the Texans come here. We just blew out the Texans a few weeks ago. And the Titans, come on, they're nine and seven. We can handle them. So do I think that played a little part of it? And their eyes were already looking at like, whoa, we're going to have to play Kansas City in two weeks? Probably. I do. I think when you're 14-2 and two and dominated the NFL the way they did, they probably thought for a little bit that, you know, just let that creep in a little. And the Titans, of course, had other plans and had a great game plan and matched up well with them. And, you know, of course, uh, that didn't, you know, end up being the, the way it was. But here's what this does. And this is what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals during that five-year stretch. They kept getting back to the playoffs and not winning a playoff game. Every time you go back, the pressure is greater. The questions are more frequent. How do you deal with that? And of all the planning the teams do in the offseason, I think John Harbaugh needs to sit down. Okay, we get back in this situation where we lock up the number one seed. We're not going to take our foot off the gas. 
And how are we going to deal with the questions, whether it's wild card round, divisional round, whenever our first playoff game is? How do we deal with this? How do we process this? How do we avoid, you know, what did Chris Berman used to say? Once is an accident, twice is a trend. I don't know what third time is, but third time is coming. And it becomes a spiral that you can't escape because your players are the ones living in the middle of it and they're hearing it and it creeps into their brains and 0-2 becomes 0-3, becomes 0-4, becomes 0-5, Chris. And I don't know how you stop it, but it's going to be critical that the next time the Ravens are in a playoff game, especially if they get back this year to make it to three straight seasons, they got to get a win in that first playoff game or next year we're going to be saying this team just can't win in the playoffs at all. Oh, you're right. I mean, I, you, they're, they're going to have to find a way or hope that doesn't happen, certainly, because it, it will. It will become the theme of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and that he can't lead them to playoff victories and what's the issue there. And, yes, that will add pressure to the situation where in a situation where there's already enough pressure playing playoff football as is. So 100%, I think you're right about that. You know, I, I – Never would have thought they would have lost to the Tennessee Titans last year. I think that was one of the shockers of the NFL season. I still expect Baltimore to be one of the best teams in football again this year. Because of Lamar Jackson, they've made their team better in this offseason. And, of course, they already had one of the best defenses in football, too. So uh, if we do have football, Lamar, Baltimore, they're not going anywhere. I expect them to be back in the playoffs 100%. Yeah, and they're going to have to be ready when January rolls around to get that win, to get the one and two with Lamar Jackson as the starting quarterback, not to 0 and 3. Chris Harris Jr. joined me on the PFTPM podcast yesterday. He's already declared one of his new teammates the best in the game, even though he's never played with them. We'll explain that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. All right, the AFC West win totals as projected by the folks in Las Vegas have the Chiefs at 11.5 and the Chargers at 8. And the Chargers, a couple of years ago, were 12-4. and four. Chris Harris Jr. jumped from the Broncos to the Chargers. I had him on PFTPM yesterday, and uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I asked him why in the hell he stayed in the AFC West and had to deal with Patrick Mahomes. Here's some of the conversation. You had your chance to get away from Patrick Mahomes. What are yeah. you thinking? Staying in the division with Patrick Mahomes, Chris. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, you, you got to love competition, man. I've never been a guy that ran from competition, and uh, they're the best right now. They were Super Bowl champs. Uh, I know what it feels like to be the champ after that next year. It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to duplicate that same results. And, uh, so, uh, I mean, hey, everybody's. The championship is up for grabs. It's a whole new year, and you got to prove yourself again. The the Chargers have, I think, one of the best defenses in the NFL. What stands out to you when you think about those new teammates, knowing that you came from a team that not long ago had one of the best defenses of all time? Yeah. Uh, Being able to play with all those guys, I mean, it's – one thing I really noticed is that these guys are already established. I mean, they already got Pro Bowls, all pros. And me just joining those guys is, is just going to me. I'm going to try to boost their play, try to um, try to raise their game into another level. And and uh, with my knowledge that I have within the division and just being a successful player on the field. And uh, when I see Derwin James, I mean, I haven't played with anybody as talented as Derwin James other than I would say keep to lead where uh, I played with the latter and the champ Bailey, but Nobody like Darren James, how he can mess up the game in the secondary. So I'm excited about playing with him. Uh, Bosa and Ingram, those guys are 
they they kind of give me familiarity with Bond and D-Ware or Bond and Doomerville, how they used to mess up the game. So those guys are capable of doing the same thing. So I'm excited to join those. Yeah, I think a lot of fans understand how a defensive lineman can mess up a game and create havoc up front. When you say a guy like Derwin James can mess up a game from the secondary, give us an example of something mm-hmm. tangible, something that he can do different than what others would do that would, as you say, mess up a game. Yeah. I mean, he can shut out your, your best tight end. He can blitz. He's a great blitzer. He's, um, he's great back deep. He can play middle of the field. And uh, if you try him deep, he's able to pick those off. So being able to be versatile, uh, be able to play all over the field. And when you got me and when you got Murray, um, I, I think we got the best nickel package. I don't see a package that's uh, going to be as athletic as ours, um, being able to cover and have the speed. So I'm excited about uh, um, what we're going to be able to do together. And the quarterback's not going to have a whole lot of time to find a guy open with guys yeah. like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram bearing down on him. Oh, yeah, we got the rush, too, man. So, I mean, it all works hand in hand. And uh, when we won the Super Bowl, we had great coverage and we had great pass rush. And um, that's what you got to have to be able to win. And uh, I know that personally from just having our success in, um, in 2015 and really uh, just picking back off each other. Von make a play, bam, then Keith Tlaib might make a play. Just we all we all picky, picky off each other. Why do you yeah. think that? that there just tends to be this attitude around the NFL and around fans in the media. Chargers maybe aren't one of the better teams when maybe they are. Um, They definitely are. I mean, every year they always have a lot of great talent. And uh, really with us, um, we just knew that uh, we we, we never really feared. We feared Phillip. We knew he was a great player. But um, we we always felt like we could beat him. You know, we never really – uh, we never really it was to that point to where we we had mind control, where he had mind control over us. We never had that. So um, my time playing against him, it was really it was really all about Philip Rivers. What's the craziest thing you ever heard Philip Rivers say to you on a football field? Oh man, a lot, man. I'm talking. About, I can't even count how many games we played against each other. So I made. Uh, I remember one game I got a flag and he was like, ref, say his full name. name." I was like, Philip, I'm going to kick you off, man. And I ended up getting him later on in that game. But uh, he's, we've had great battles for sure. Yeah. I mean, he loves the sport. He reminds me of Drew Locke, although Locke has a different approach, but you sense that passion and that enjoyment and that, that, that just love for the game and the love for competition. And it, and it makes everyone's, uh, intensity and level increase yeah i mean you got to have that and um um especially from the quarterback a high-spirited quarterback i think is uh that's why pat mahomes is so great he plays with a high level of spirit tom brady those guys have been doing it for so long because that because of that and uh that's what makes them great that was chris harris jr yesterday afternoon and look the chargers chris they 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 were they, they were Almost the one seed in 2018. We talked earlier about that Ravens-Chargers playoff game. If the Chargers had beaten the Ravens on that Saturday night at home, they very well may have been the top seed. What a difference. You know, we saw how close it was this year for the 49ers and the Seahawks in the NFC. It was pretty close last year for the Chiefs and the Chargers in the AFC and how different that season might have been, how different our perception of the Chargers would be right now. But, you know, even though – they don't have Phillip Rivers, even though they don't have a big-time franchise quarterback right out of the gates. And, I, and you can hear the whole podcast at uh, 
youtube.com slash NBC Sports, wherever you can find your podcast, the full conversation available. You know, Tyrod Taylor, there's a lot of belief in Tyrod Taylor. I, I, this is one of those teams that I think is in a great spot. Nobody's going to be saying, oh, the Chargers are going to be pretty good this year, and uh, that's one of those ways that teams like the Chargers sneak up on people. Yeah, well, the AFC West, I think, has a couple of those teams, really all three teams other than the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I think the Chargers and the, the Denver Broncos are two teams specifically to me that I have my eyes on. But the Chargers, yeah. I mean, again, we know how close they were in so many games last year that could have turned out different ways to where, you know, they could have been in the playoff conversation. Certainly, Phillip Rivers didn't have his best year. We know that. But I think they're trying to tell you they're trying to play a different style of football, a different brand this year. They're going to play through their defense and their run game more. Anthony Lynn's a run game expert. So I think with him and having a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, who does take care of the football, but does have physical ability to make plays, uh, you know, that are off schedule. I think they're going to try to play that. And then like Chris Harris Jr. said, there's just so much to excite you about this defense. And I think, you know, they're going to take the approach a little bit, maybe like we saw, you know, uh, the New England Patriots or the Broncos team of 20, 2015. I was just saying the Patriots of last year where, they play through the defense and try to win games 23 to 17 or 20 to 14. And I think their team is built to do that. And they, they have a, a very good chance of doing it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I agree. Uh, and Chris Harris jr. Look, th this guy is a great, great story undrafted. And part of the conversation included his experience in 2011 a lot like what guys are going through this year. He comes in as an undrafted free agent in an offseason with no offseason program because of the lockout, and he still makes the roster. And he ends up becoming one of the best nickel corners in all of football. He's not a big guy. He is incredibly skilled. And, and this is one of the – and that's why I'm surprised the Broncos let him get away, Chris, because this is one of the great success stories for John Elway finding Chris Harris Jr. and having that organization develop him into what he is. And now they see him leave for a team in the division, and they're going to have to worry about him twice per year. He knows the personnel. He knows Drew Locke. He knows a lot about that team. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm a little extra nervous about playing the Chargers if I'm a Broncos fan this year. Yeah, well, I get that. They're certainly, I mean, the Broncos, we're excited about what they have on the offensive side of the ball, some of the young talent. I think that's one of those offenses that you and I both look at to go, watch out, everybody. It could, it's going to explode on the NFL this year between the system and the players. Uh, but, but yeah, you're right. I mean, listen, Chris Harris Jr., experience, winning pedigree, and then still an incredible amount of talent and high-level play there to be had with Chris Harris Jr. Denver just felt like they probably couldn't pay him and do, deal with it, but that's, that's a huge gain for the Chargers. When you break down the Chargers, you sit here and go like, Wow, they got Linville Joseph on the defensive line. They needed some help on the interior deep tackle. We know they didn't need pass rushers. They got Kenneth Murray in the first round at linebacker. Holy cow. Derwin James, one of the, the second best safety in football to me, only behind Jamal Adams. You know, two good corners in Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. I mean, that's unbelievable. They improved their offensive line. Getting Brian Bulaga, they traded for Trey Turner with the Carolina Panthers. That was really their big concern on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. It's just, yeah, offensive line play has been below average the last few years with the Chargers. So I think they did a really good job of addressing some of the needs they needed to, you know, address and, and to take their team 
you know, to, I don't want to say the next level, but certainly to improve them, to get them back in the playoff combo. And I would be shocked, Mike, if they're not in the playoff combo late December, sitting there last two, three games fighting for a spot. Especially with seven teams now per conference. And one last thing to keep in mind, Tyrod Taylor, 26 and 23 as a starter. Think about the teams that he has played for. Think about the teams he has started for, specifically those Buffalo teams. Think about the weapons he had at his disposal in Buffalo. Think about the weapons he'll have at his disposal with the Chargers. Right. Maybe now we know why they they didn't pursue Cam Newton. Maybe we know now why they're willing to let Justin Herbert sit for a year or so. Maybe it's not going to be Tyrod Taylor just holding the spot until they think Herbert's ready to enter the fray. All right. We have a draft coming up. This is inspired by Lamar Jackson. The all-time offensive plays that make you go, oh, when you see them. We're going to do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Lamar Jackson with that awesome spin move, one of the great plays of the 2019 season. I could watch it over and over and over again. It inspired today's draft, the all-time offensive plays, because we decided, you know what, there's defensive plays too. We'll do that tomorrow. Today it's the all-time offensive plays that make you go, oh, when you see them. And we all shouted that out in the viewing room at NBC when it happened last year between the Ravens and the Bengals. Okay, so that's today's draft. Trivia question is in the possession of Christopher David Sims. He will ask it to me. If I get it right, I get the first pick. Well, I know that Big Cat likes to say that you look like uh, the Pauly Walnuts from The Sopranos, he right? He doesn't say uh, that. I don't look like Pauly Walnuts. Where is that coming from? <laughs> no, that's from? what he says. He, no, does. he does. He does. He does. He said he's eventually going to with his gray hair, that he, that he dies. He thinks that. he's... Gotcha. He thinks if you if you admit that you dye your hair, it makes it okay. Go ahead. I don't know. There's some that are arguing that you kind of look like it too. But either way, in honor of Did that. Did I dye my okay? hair? You've seen me in person. This is great lighting. There's a lot of gray no, there. There is a lot of gray. Go it looks good. All right. In, in lieu of that, okay, 
What's Polly Walnut's real last name in the show, The Sopranos? What's his real last Come name? On. Eyes, eyes up there, no, no typing. I'm not, I'm not typing. Uh, what's his name? What's his last name? Uh, I have no idea. I have no idea. You got Noah? I no idea. All I right, got no idea. Gol- I got no, I'm not just Golatieri. Yeah, I would have never even come close. That just sounds like you made it up on the spot. I uh, just something. Yeah, I don't it's, know it's, for sure either. I'm not sure. All right, all right. Uh, go ahead. You got the first pick. Man, there's so many to pick from. Do you not find this draft hard? I really do. I mean, I have like 20 options written down right now. Well, and, um, and let's let's be okay. clear. Let's be clear to everyone. Yeah. This isn't the best plays of all time. This is the the, the plays that elicit. That visceral in the moment when right. you see it, you you can't contain yourself. That's what this is. Right. And I tried to pick guys that do this consistently, right? In lieu of like Lamar Jackson, it wasn't like one 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 hit run uh, wonder with that play we just saw against the Bengals. We're talking about guys that this kind of like describes them in their career. At least this is what I went with. You don't have to do that. I know you don't. You're not as smart no, as that's me. That's fine. So you no, listen, one, one, of us, <laughs> one of us can execute the draft as it was designed, and one of us can just come up with some completely different standard that he's pulling out of thin air or somewhere else. That's fine. That's your that's fine. your prerogative. If you want to make picks based on something other than what the draft is, that's your prerogative. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to make a pick on what the draft is and then make a pick to also just shove it up your butt. And my first one's going to be Michael Vick running down the left sideline against the Minnesota Vikings, splitting defenders, touchdown Falcons and Michael Vick. See you, Minnesota. You're going home a loser. And Mike, Mike Florio may be crying. But to me, like that one, that play, and I don't know if we're going to have the highlight of it, but if you can remember in your brain, and I'm sure you can. Oh, I remember Michael very Vick, well. Overtime, dropping back to pass against the Minnesota Vikings scrambles to his left, turns it up field, and then turns on the afterburners to an extent in which we had never seen a quarterback ever run like that. I mean, that was like, whoa, are we watching Deion Sanders or is this a quarterback? I mean, that's what kind of speed he showed. To me, that'll be a play I never forget in my life because I know I had never seen a quarterback do that. And I went, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this in, in the history of the NFL. A guy that can make these kind of plays, not only with a big arm, but unbelievable running ability. Uh, so that was one of those that uh, it will always ring true to me as far as a play that goes, oh, and here it is. Oh, baby. Oh, oh. Here, here's the thing. This, and I'm not taking anything away from the Mike Vick afterburner. What makes the play is the Keystone Cops routine when the two Vikings crash into each other. Yeah, I did. It made it good. Thank you, Vikings, for delivering on that aspect of the play. But that was, and you know what? That was the that was an O moment, and it also felt like a Mike Vick welcome to the NFL moment. Like, right. not the typical welcome to the NFL, like here's a big hit, but just like that that was his coming out party. That was when yes. people realized this guy's going to be every bit as good at this level as he was at Virginia Tech. All right, See, that I'm wasn't stunned. that bad. That was on theme. Wasn't that on theme, though? I mean, oh, is that it was. Right? I mean, but, okay, but good. your desire to stick it to me, you're, I, I cannot believe you did this. I cannot believe it. There is one and only one all-time, oh, jump out of your seat moments in the National Football League, especially in the last 10 years, and it was the catch made by your guy, Odell Beckham Jr., in his rookie year on Sunday Night Football, 
when somehow, some way, that ball is coming in from 50 yards on the fly from Eli Manning, and somehow he falls backward, grabs the ball out of the air with one hand, secures the catch, and it's one of those things that you had to watch a hundred times just to process what you had seen. There's been nothing like it. This is one of the greatest plays. It's unbelievable, Chris. I see it now, and it makes me want to jump up. How in it the is, world no. did you blow this? Did you think I wasn't going to take it? I don't know. Look I at that. Blow it. I, got a, I got 20 different plays written down, and I pick Odell Beckham Jr., I feel like, in every other draft we have. So I tried to change because it up. Because you do. All right? You think that because do. you do. <laughs> I know. So I let you have it this time. I knew that was going to get picked here at some point. But – no, I mean, really, that's the greatest catch I've ever seen by a guy, you know, by any receiver. You know, it's 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 like the David Tyree catch, but David Tyree was like a one-hit wonder. I mean, I can't even remember one other reception he had in his career. Odell, we knew, had great hands at that point, but you're right. That took it to another stratosphere. You're just like, whoa, this guy's different than, than even I expected. David Tyree it felt like the hand of God was in play there, that it right, was such a right. rare, unusual event. If we're talking about athleticism, if we're talking about something that when you see it, you assume it will be duplicated, that it will be replicated, that it will be – not that we've seen another one like it because you need the right circumstances, but it showed us what this guy's capable of. And that, to me, I, it's I, – that, that's – I mean, when you're talking about it for 15 minutes after it happened, and we're talking about it for five minutes right now – uh, it's, it just shows you what a play it was. All right, you're up. All right. Um, I think here I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Barry Sanders. All right. You remember Barry Sanders, 1991 divisional playoff game. They're playing the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he had so many marquee runs, but here it is. I mean, this is when I think of Barry Sanders, this is the play I always think of. I mean, running into a pile of people and then guys on the Dallas Cowboys, being like, he's down, right? And then he's running for a touchdown, and they're like, what, what? And they're looking different ways, like, which way did he go? Which way did he go? To me, that just, like, signifies one of the greatest players we've ever had in the sport, and it's the play I always think of when I think of him and a play that made me go, oh, because it wasn't one of the biggest moments of his career as far as game-wise. They weren't in the playoffs a lot through Barry Sanders' career, as we know. That was a Dallas Cowboys team that everybody thought was, ooh, they could maybe go into Detroit and beat the Lions. And, of course, we know they were, you know, building a dynasty there at that time with the Cowboys and, and would start, start that the next year. But uh, that run right there just epitomizes what Barry Sanders is all about. The, the greatest in-space runner in the history of the, in the NFL and the greatest running back I've ever seen in my lifetime. I, I considered Barry Sanders, but I couldn't pick a play. I remember a play against the Bears. It was a week one game where right. he was bottled up behind the line, and then all of a sudden he was shot out of a cannon, right? There were so right. many plays like that for Barry Sanders. All right, next one for me. And usually when we talk Vikings Cowboys, old school highlights on this no, show. No, don't an pick old it. school highlight that comes up. <laughs> that, no, no, I'm not picking that one. The one I'm You're picking, picking is Moss. from I, – I bet the one in particular – Thanksgiving Day, 1998, yeah, he had three catches right. for 150-plus yards and three touchdowns, but it was the last one. That was the one that that was uncanny. That was because it's one thing. Look, it's great when you see the ball arc through the air and the guy makes a big catch. Impressive. When a guy takes a little flat pass and just finds a gear that you've never seen before 
and guys who think they have an angle, and he does a little shoulder dip full speed right there, and and it freezes the guy, and it's just like, see you later. It is man among boys. That, to me, that 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 was that's a moment. That's a moment that yeah. resonates 22 years later. Uh, it is. Mike, it, it was, you know, it might have been my next pick. So, I mean, I'm with you. That, that to me, I can still remember sitting on the couch, watching that, you know, at my home in Jersey and, and just going like, man, I can't wait to watch the Cowboys versus Randy Moss and seeing him do some of those things that day, especially that play. You're right. Because we had never seen a receiver that long and tall just open up and blow everybody away on the field in a race. I mean, he was like Usain Bolt running down the sideline there. Uh, so I, I'm with you. That was uh, an all-time great. All right. I'm going to go to Deion Sanders here. I mean, I'm going back-to-back Sanders. Deion Sanders, 1989, his first regular season game as a, a player for the Atlanta Falcons. They're playing the Rams, and this is his first punt return touchdown as an NFL football player. And now as a young kid, you know, Deion Sanders was on my radar just because I was like, who is this loud, you know, gold chains, you know, can – can talk a lot. It's always a spectacle. He's wearing number two at Florida State. He's so cool. I kind of loved him early on, right away from day one. And then he went there and did that where I don't know if anybody remembers this play, but I'll try my best to explain it. Gets a punt, kind of fumbles it, drops on the ground, picks it up, makes a few people miss, reverses field, and then has like a 60-something yard punt return down the right sideline to be like, Oh, whoa, Deion Sanders is real. And, of course, that continued to be a theme for the rest of his career. But, you know, to me, Deion Sanders has a few of those plays in his career where he's still, I think, the fastest guy I've ever seen on a field in the history of the NFL. It's either him or Tyreek Hill. It was pretty special. All right, we're up against it. We're going to take a quick break. I I know what my next pick is. I'm not not trying to buy time. We just need to take a break. We'll be back with my pick. Round three when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, time for my pick, round three, the all-time moment that makes you go, oh, and it was this one. Larry Fitzgerald breaks into the clear, and there are three guys, and they have no chance. He he continues to run away from them, and that was the moment where I thought, boy, the Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl. But to me, look, the athleticism here is just in the explosion and the disappearance and, and the shock of the moment, I think it's a combination of all those things, Chris. I will never forget how it felt to be in the stadium that day when that happened. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a big moment. And, you know, that was a play that I think I've told you this before. The Cardinals stole from the Tennessee Titans team that I was on during that year. We had a big play against the Steelers in the regular season to win home field advantage. Uh, that, that was that play. And they stole that, and of course it worked out great for them for the touchdown. But man, that was a, that's a great one. I, I should have picked my Earl Campbell, you know, decking the defender in the chest, then his jersey tearing away. I should have done that to my old Texas alum friend. Uh, what else did you have uh, on your list? Well, no, but think about it. With Earl Campbell, it was two moments like that in right. the same play, from the helmet right. to the stomach of Isaiah Robertson, and clearly a legal move now in the NFL to the tearaway jersey, something they did away with because they were tearing jerseys all the time, but not in that kind of spectacular fashion. That, that to me, we both blew it. We both lost yes, the draft by not putting did. that one in there. That's it for today. We'll see everybody on Wednesday. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya.
Finding the music you love shouldn't be hard. That's why Pandora makes it easy to explore all your favorites and discover new artists and genres you'll love. Enjoy a personalized listening experience simply by selecting any song or album, and we'll make a station crafted just for you. Best of all, you can listen for free. Download Pandora on the Apple App Store or Google Play and start hearing the soundtrack to your life. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.